generation dwells here. And then we moving by the pack, so we moving them. And even if you don't, then you do, cause you cool with them. They be like, I only went to school with them. Welcome to Color Correction, a Jesus y podcast about race and faith from the perspective of an Asian guy, a black girl, and a white guy, too. I'm Andrew. I'm Asian. I use he, him pronouns. I'm Bethany. I'm black, and I use she, her pronouns. And I'm Chris. I'm white, and I use he, him pronouns. So the first thing that we like to do is talk about previous episodes and things we want to add or correct uh, from previous episodes. I, I think our media, the, our last episode was the one with Stefan Fitzpatrick about agriculture, mm-hmm. uh, his role in agriculture and the history mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. I think I feel like as I was listening back to it, I wanted to. Well, first of all, after we closed, <laughs> after we stopped recording, we had a great conversation about the PA farm show. <laughs> I think it's funny because Chris, you had this in your notes. I know and you were, like, I was texting sitting us, on like, it. I'm so excited to talk to somebody about the PA farm. And show. then I didn't. And then you didn't bring it up. And then we <laughs> talked about it after we, I had already stopped recording. But. I mean, what's your connection to the PA Farm Show, Chris? Yeah, I've, the PA Farm Show is something I've been going to for like a decade. Um, mm-hmm. I, I lived in a community house. Like one of my roommates was like super into it. And, and that's how we got started. And since then, like I've taken my, my in-laws, um, you know, like, like, like Janine and I, my wife, we go every year. Um, I love the like I love the food. But like and it's just like there's like a lot of like one of one of the things that I've enjoyed a few times. I my asthma gets to the best of me in like the rodeo section, but like, I love like, there's a a whole like section. There's, there's two rodeo sections. Two. Two. Of course there's a rodeo section. What type of question is that (laughs) at a farm show? But like, Uh it's like the high schoolers that are like running their horses and oh, it's, it's like, it's pretty great. The butter sculpture, oh my god, don't get me started. There's a butter sculpture? There's a butter sculpture. I'm learning things about, I've always wanted to go to the PA Farm Show just to see the rabbits. I feel like we've always wanted to see the rabbits, but it's also like out in Harrisburg. But then we found out that Stefan has like a huge role in pulling it together, and he was super excited that we were like talking Ah, about it. Stefan. (laughs) So yeah, PA Farm Show. It's a whole whole thing, apparently. It's a great time. Uh, When is it? January? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the first or second week in January. So okay. I feel like we have to go and do a live recording. And I said it. <laughs> so yeah. It has to happen now. Let's get to it. Let's color correction field trip. We'll record the, the farm road trip show. out. We'll at the farm show talk about how many white people there are and how awkward it feels, but also how we're like there to claim the space, just like Stefan inspires us to. Yeah, yeah. I also feel like all of our like road trips have been extraordinarily white. Like we went to the Northeast one time Mm -hmm. or no, we had to drive (laughs) all over Philly, but we started in the Northeast and that was, we recorded doing that. And then Mm -hmm. we went to that restaurant that was owned Mm -hmm. by white guys, but it was an Asian fusion restaurant. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) We (laughs) got to to problematic places. (laughs) We we go to very white (laughs) Yeah. We like adventure for some reason. That's right. We like the risk. We like to live dangerously. Right. I mean, we like to talk loudly about race in white, <laughs> exclusively white spaces. But 
But you know what? I'm going to do the Cotton Eye Joe as soon as I walk up into that farm show. <laughs> if there's any place to do that, it's there. Oh, yeah. I love how disappointed you were that w- more white people weren't into Cotton Eye Joe at your birthday party. <laughs> but if there's anywhere that, that put white people will be excited about it, it's got to be a farm show. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I, I think... I think, and and like and this might be a setup, but I think you might be pleasantly surprised actually at the number of people of color that are there. I mean, it is like outlandishly white. You're not wrong, but I, I yeah. don't know. I feel like I feel like it's it's not as white as it used to be. Okay, nice. And that, yeah, I'm, I'm that could be being... that could be like the motto for the state fair. Mm-hmm. It's not as yeah. white as you thought. <laughs> not as white as you thought. <laughs> I'm open to being surprised. It sounds like a good time. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the only other thing I wanted to bring up about that episode was that it struck me how um, it's really interesting to me how certain things that we assume are white are only white incidentally or because of, like, recent history Mm -hmm. or systems, you know? Because, like, so many things that we associate with agriculture or or rural or agricultural life are actually deeply black, you Mm -hmm. know? Like... A, like a quarter of all cowboys that existed in the West were black, right. you know, or like the banjo was like a black instrument mm-hmm. or like if you go to the 19th century, like literally like 95% of everyone is work is, is a farm is working in agriculture as a farmer. Yes. Yeah. And the reason that there are fewer like black owned farms is because of like systemic reasons that have to do with how land was taken or split up or deprived mm-hmm. or people were deprived of certain opportunities. And it's like, you know, we have these assumptions about why the world is the way it is, but that's because the world is because it was built this way. Right. You know, it's not mm-hmm. because it just like right. it's not because like black people aren't into farming or something. It's right. Because right. There are systems that exist, you know, and the history um, has been erased too. like that's the only yeah, way that precisely. you can really um, get a people to succumb to subjugation is to also erase their history. Right. Right. Yeah. So people lose their connection with their own stories and they Mm -hmm. don't realize that like, yeah, we actually do have deep roots in these things, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, Yeah. So I thought, you know, thinking back on that episode and and the whole history, uh, that was meaningful to me. Um, So we also have, we'd like to hear what you all have to say in our speak up section and we do have an interesting piece of listener mail today. I'm just going to read the whole thing. Um, and then we can react to it together. All right, ready? Great. Great. Okay. Subject, question, message, hey all. I recently found myself in a difficult situation and I wanted to know your thoughts on it. I am currently a seminary student and because of the price of college this year, I have to take on a second job. I applied for an internship at a predominantly white church downtown and was accepted, but it would require me to leave my current church. The church I currently attend is bilingual slash multicultural. There is an English service and a Spanish service, and all the meetings and events are translated so everyone can be an equal participant in church functions. I've been attending the Spanish service despite not knowing Spanish so that I can pick it up and connect to that half of the church. I don't want to leave the setting. I love its diversity, and I hope to make a career of church work in settings similar to these. When I told my pastor about maybe having to leave for the internship, she said there was actually an internship opportunity at our church that would pay a similar amount. I jumped on the opportunity, and she worked everything out. 
The problem I'm running into is that while I knew our church was getting money from the district to pay my salary, I didn't realize that the program is actually an internship scholarship for people of color. I'm white, and while my pastor is Mexican-American and a significant portion of the congregation is Salvadoran-American, I still feel uncomfortable with it. On the one hand, I would be serving people of color who otherwise wouldn't have an intern, but on the other, I have a paid opportunity elsewhere. The board of the program is aware of my race and will be holding a meeting to decide if I will be awarded a scholarship this week. I don't know how I feel about accepting the money, even if it is awarded to me. What are your thoughts? Uh, Thank you for your insight. And then the listener signs their name. Okay. So. um, That's the situation. I'm going to copy paste the text of this into the (laughs) chat. So you can review it at your leisure. Beth, do you have follow-up questions or do you want to launch right into it? I don't really have any questions, you know, just you can't accept the money, right? You're not a person of color. It's an opportunity that was created for people of color. Um, And yeah, if you've listened to this podcast, particularly our episodes about reparations and how opportunities are systemically taken from black folks and the fact that you sent the letter, I think you know the answer. Um, Mm -hmm. No. You don't think yeah. they should take to accept? I mean, does it make any difference here that it is that the money is like from is not from like the church itself, but like from uh, from like some kind of central governing authority from the district? No, I don't think so. I think if the intention is to highlight and support people of color who are oftentimes robbed of opportunities, <laughs> then giving it to a white woman is wild. Like, that's just crazy. I'm shocked that there's even a meeting to have discussion about it. What if the money comes from, because it seems like this person has a good, like, relationship with their church. Yeah. With this multicultural church. And they are, like, trying to get her to stay and looking for ways to fund their, like, this person to stay. Like, what if the money comes from another place? Like, that would make it okay. If they came up with a position for her that was intended for her, that's totally different. But right, this yeah. opportunity was created for people who are often not given opportunities. And to then give that to a white person is um, would be wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What if... I, you see, I can't come up with... What are you doing here, thing. Andrew? I, no, I'm this is great. To, uh, this is so it, fun. I don't disagree with you. I'm just trying to think about like, I'm just trying to think, is there any way, because this person loves this church. This church loves this person. This person is trying to get into ministry and, you know, uh, trying to make a living to a certain extent. And they don't want to go to like a predominantly white church. And I like, I respect that. Like Mm -hmm. anybody who's able to like plug themselves into a community of color, like to such a degree that that community of color really embraces them and is like, oh, what can we do to get to keep you here? Because like, we like you here. We think you're an ally. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's admirable. I just, but I, I mean, I, at the end of the day, obviously, I, not obviously, I don't disagree with you, Beth. I, I wish yeah. there was, the problem is that like the mechanism of money for 
a person of color. It just can't be given to no, a white lady. It can't. No. Right. Yeah, I honor it, what she's doing as well. Like she has made herself uncomfortable to learn to renegotiate her whiteness by attending mm-hmm. this service that she don't even really understand. That's amazing. Yeah. Like she's really trying to do the work and to create this community and to remain within that community. But, mm-hmm. but you can't cause harm to do that. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, it looks like the board and this church is like trying to bend over backwards to figure something out. Maybe if there's just some way that they can that they can get some other kind of funding source, you know, right. I, you know, yeah. I, I would I think that would be the other thing is like, you don't there want are... to stay at this. Yeah. I, I mean, gonna... the other thing is like, I, I you don't want to stay at this church knowing that like, this is how you this is the, the lever that you no. have to pull to stay like no. that feel bad. That doesn't yeah. feel good. Mm-mm. No, that's not like going it, away. You could probably like, no matter how hard you justify this, like they wanted me to do this. The board w- went through this process. It was like at the end of the day, it is like that would it would feel bad to know that it's because you you took advantage of an opportunity that wasn't meant for you. Right. 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 Yeah. What were right. you about to say, Beth? And there are other funding opportunities. I keep getting emails right now from Grant Watch. I can also send send the listener some grant information that I have. I did a grant workshop a couple of months ago that has funding streams. My insight would be pray about other ways to make this happen, right? Like you're obviously doing this work. You're obviously challenging yourself and working to be Mm -hmm. anti-racist. God honors that. Figure out other ways and pray about and offer to God, how else can I remain in this community? And I'm sure an opportunity will come up. But taking an yeah. opportunity from a person of color, um, that's not going to be the way to do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whew. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I agree. Chris, any, any, any other thoughts? Well, I'm like, I'm, I'm thinking about like, there's also like this person is not hurting for opportunities, right? That right. is true. Yeah. They're trying to decide um, between two right. different interns. So like, that's, that's a, it's an enviable problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like you go to this white church, I don't know, like you've, you've put yourself in situations like you both have said to like feel discomfort. I, I feel, and I don't know about this white church. I don't know what their deal is. I mean, I, I, I like when you say white church, I can guess what that means. <laughs> like, so like take what you've learned um, and find new ways to be uncomfortable. Like white churches will give you plenty of opportunities. If, um, if your heart is for, um, people who are disenfranchised, Mm -hmm. there's no shortage of opportunities to stay in that in that discomfort, albeit in a church where people look like you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. And I think what you said, Chris, and that this person has options, like, and there, there are a lot of options. You can be potentially creative about this. Yeah, I mean, but it, it's a tough situation. Uh, so my heart goes out to the listener. I hope absolutely they're able to figure something out. Yeah. Um. Okay. So what what we wanted to talk about today? Uh, this was Beth's idea. Beth, you wanted to talk about joy. 
Yeah, I feel like the last couple of years we've had really tough episodes and I think they've resonated with people because it's been a a tough two and a half, almost three years of dealing with COVID and so much loss um, and the way our mental health and other folks' mental health has been affected. And honestly, like just around the country and the world, you see people being more violent. And I think it's because there's just, yeah, a real need for people to take care of their mental health. Um, But I also just think in general, mental health as an issue isn't being recognized. So all that to say, we've talked about the hard things. I'm wondering, where are we finding moments of joy? Where are we feeling joy? How are we making joy even a discipline? That's why I was interested in talking about it today. Yeah. And, and, you know, like Beth, since you asked that question, it's been fun to like have that in my, in my, my, my mind, my heart, my body to like, when I feel it, like note it, mm-hmm. you know, like I've got, I've got a place I'm going to like bring this back to. I really, I really appreciated the, like the invitation that felt like yeah. just to have that on the table. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Cause yeah, it has been, a tough few years. It really yeah. has. What I'm also we yeah we jumped what into I'm this also, podcast at a crazy time. We did wait the, like this specific podcast or yeah we started podcasting at a at a crazy time. I mean it was always going to be crazy. Oh, we, like we started the podcast at a crazy yeah. time. Uh, Actually, we like, started the podcast what nine months in advance of the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it was yeah, like we were... the the summer of 2019, the last good summer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was Uh, yeah Uh, i'm also curious about how you how you all would define joy you know mm, what does mm -hmm. joy mean for you yeah yeah that's a really good question joy for me is any moment that feels really good and a moment that i can come back to and recollect It doesn't have to be every moment, but I really, Mm -hmm. joyous moments that I shared with other people and we can come back to, that's one of my favorite experiences of joy. Mm -hmm. So something that feels good and yeah, I can keep on thinking of. Yeah, no, I I resonate with that. I, um, I I did a little exercise right before and I just like Googled the word joy, like search for it in like the... Bible gateway just to see like all the times it's mentioned. And I mean, I like, you're not, you're definitely not alone that like often joy and feasting are in the same sentence. Like there's something communal about, um, I, I think, I mean, it's both like, it's very personal. Like you don't, but like joy, I think necess like of a necessity, like it like connects you back to God and back to like a larger community. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, yeah, for, for me, I'm always like, like, like some of the things I'm excited about right now in, in light of like the, the real tough work of participatory defense. Like one of the things I'm doing with a couple friends in the movement is like planning a celebration. Like, I just like, I feel like if we're, if we're not preparing to like feast together, the work leading up, like the work we're in, it doesn't mean as much. Mm-hmm. If, like, we can't celebrate together mm-hmm. at some point. Do you think joy is synonymous or is the same thing as happiness for, for you guys? 
some, I don't know what it is about happiness that feels a little flimsy mm-hmm. in, in comparison with joy. Poor yeah, happiness. I'm that, not even but... sure that's fair to happiness, but I feel that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Where does the difference lie for you, do you think? The, the main way I think about happiness is like the, the like American pursuit of happiness. It's sort of like written into our code, which like it doesn't, it doesn't actually help me have any kind of a, a good feeling about the, the word. Like, cause it just, it just to me sort of like spells out like selfishness. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like, I like, I think I have that in my head when I think about happiness that, and the difference with joy is that like it, right it just like it's connecting us spiritually and communally and with mm-hmm. i don't know if happiness has the same at least for me the same ties yeah yeah i mean i i agree with what you're saying i like that you keep that for you you keep tying joy to community or joy is tied to something bigger than just you know a good feeling from being happy i i think that's probably true for me I, I mean, I know that joy has a lot of definitions, and some people just use the word joy to talk about intense happiness, which I think is is good. It's good to have those moments. But yeah, I, I think similar to Bethany, like when I think back to moments of joy, I'm thinking about these moments that it might include happiness, but but also include this connection to something that feels bigger, whether mm-hmm. it's something bigger like a community that's bigger, or or some kind of spirit that's bigger, like God. You know this 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 connection to this this idea that it, it's not just about me, but I'm part of it. Um, where with the delight that comes with that. I don't think I've ever really thought about the difference before, but for me, I, I'm agreeing with both of you. Like there is a depth that joy has that I don't feel happiness has. Happiness feels yeah. kind of fleeting, but joy yeah. feels deeper. And definitely more spiritual, right? And it makes me think of that scripture. I don't know why I'm scripturary lately, but whatever scripture is like, um, mm-hmm. where two or more are gathered, God is here, God is there, mm-hmm. the Lord is there. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Something about laughing with somebody and experiencing joy with somebody that mm-hmm. feels like such a spiritual experience. Yeah, it's like having church almost. Yeah. And I'm talking like a good like belly laugh. This this question <laughs> makes me think of um a few years ago I my sorority sister had I think it was her graduation party, maybe her birthday party. I can't remember what it was. But we were all leaving, you know, to let out people are outside getting in their cars or whatever. And my sorority sister's foster sister was walking past the car and it was like four me and three others of my sorors in this car, and we didn't see the foster kiss sister, or I don't remember what happened, but we almost hit her with the car, right? <gasps> and of course, she had a big reaction. She was like, yo, like, chill, da-da-da-da-da, and kind of like, like, jumped at us or something in the car. And the four of 
us were all like, nah, she ain't have to act like that, though. Like, what? Like, she don't want no problems for real. And then finally, <laughs> one of us said, I mean, we did almost hit her with a car. And something <laughs> about that had us screaming. And this was seven years ago. And sometimes I'll text my soror and be like, remember when we were about to beat that girl up? Because we hit her with our car. <laughs> what got into us to act like that? Like, it has been so long, but we still laugh so hard at such a ridiculous young person situation. You know what I mean? Right. Who gets mad about that? It is laughable, but we just, yeah, it was just this really joyous experience that we shared with each other over something silly. Yeah. I think another aspect of joy is when you feel joy, like, like part of what's in there is like, it's foundational. Like it was like, joy is always there sometimes you feel far from it, mm. but like in the moment of joy, it's a returning to something that's, that's eternal mm. versus I, I, that's another way I like compared to happiness, which like is fleeting. Like you were saying that. Yeah. Right. Like now, now you're like reconnected to that sister who you almost hit and each other. And it, you remember why you're together in the first place. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> we're connected forever because yeah. of that joy. Yeah. The way that I think about joy is probably colored by uh, the way C.S. Lewis describes it in Surprised by Joy, mm. where for him, he uses joy to talk about, he uses the word joy to describe this feeling of intense, like longing and delight. It's like, like longing for a country you've never been to, but somehow feels like home. This feeling that like, this sudden feeling of delight and familiarity that just comes out of nowhere um, and is somehow like more intense than just happiness because it connects you to some, something bigger that you might not even, you know, that you've never seen, but only felt. Um, I, it's interesting to me that when I think back on my, when I try to think of examples of moments of joy for me, I, I'm, I, a lot of times it goes back to like it, it, the, the moments that are coming up for me are like specifically moments that have happened in weddings um, where, yeah, like I just got back from a trip where I was, I was, uh, I went to the wedding of my, of my buddy who lives in the UK and it was in Wales. And like, there was this moment, it was so hot that day. It was like 87 degrees, which is nothing in Philly, but in Wales, it's like, like all the grass was yellow all the sheep were like hiding in in the sh like up on oh, the, up, whatever sheep. shade they could find there was no air conditioning anywhere we were just sweating all day but like at the end of this like at th three quarters of the way through this 12 hour wedding because that's the way brits do weddings um, <laughs> like my like my friend says to me like i am so happy and you are part of that so thank you that's beautiful. Yeah. That is awesome. And like, it was this just intense moment of joy. And it felt like the interconnectivity of this, like this friend whom I love, who I've known since we like, we were five years old. Mm. And yeah, I, 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 I did feel joy in that moment. Um, I think I like what you're saying or what you said earlier, Chris, about this joy being this thing that you come back to. Because I, yeah, like I think joy reminds us of our humanity, right? So like being able to yeah. travel and see your friend uh, get married in Wales and to be a part of that, that's a mm -hmm. reminder of your humanity. 
And we have been robbed of that interconnectedness, that joy that comes from being reminded that you're a human by being with somebody else for like three years. Yeah. Like, I wonder if that, if your friend saying you were a part of this day that was happy for me, if it would have felt a little bit different back in the good summer of 2019. You know what I mean? Like, I wonder if it had a different depth (laughs) here and now in 2022. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I have to imagine that it would just because we've been deprived of that kind of connection for so long. Right. Yeah. So that's you, that. you saying that makes me um, in, in thinking about this, I sent you all that quote from um, Dr. J. Drew Lanham, joy is the justice you give yourself. I just thought that was so powerful. And I like I hadn't really thought of tying justice to joy in that kind of a way. I was wondering what you were thinking about that. I think joy is inseparable from justice work. Like that's something that I really like about doing justice work with black folks, Mm -hmm. like being in all black spaces, like in um, BLM Philly and other BLM chapters, the joy that is experienced without the white gaze, especially with black aunties, Mm -hmm. like, nothing can compare to it, right? Like I'm thinking of being at um, a conference, I think in February, February, 2020. And I remember an amazing organizer saying something to the effect of, you know, and you know, God be talking in my ear and shit too. And something about that (laughs) hilarious, like being able, yeah, to talk like that in that moment. I think oftentimes joy appears for BIPOC folks when we are in these specific contexts away from the white gaze. Mm -hmm. Also, for the same reasons that we've been talking about, because so much of the rest of the time we feel deprived of our humanity. Mm -hmm. And then we're reminded of it and also our interconnectivity to each other and this Mm -hmm. greater idea of, you know, of this sacred human dignity when we're with each other in these community spaces. So we feel that connection. We feel that delight, that joy mm-hmm. in these environments a lot of times. Mm-hmm. I, I think the word I want to add, thinking about that, is like joy is triumphant. Like it, it rises like out of hard places. Mm-hmm. It has to be created in hard places. Mm-hmm. If all you're experiencing is a world that oppresses you and you're not working real hard to create joy, you're going to, yeah, you're going to succumb to that oppression. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You really can't do justice work without experiencing joy. You mean as not a way to sustain long. yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If you're doing good justice work with people, you need to be experiencing good joy with those people too. And you'll notice when organizations no longer experience joy amongst each other, those organizations usually um, fall apart. So if you want to do sustainable justice work, you have to find ways to have joy. Yeah. Because again, it's a part of our humanity. So if you're cutting off a section of your humanity, you're going to be uncomfortable. It's not going to work. Yeah. Yeah. I I think this is another uh, example for me. It's another reminder of me of how joy 
is separable can is is kind of separable from happiness and also from like success because like happiness comes out of success and people expect that mm-hmm. and uh, the thing that's difficult for me a, a lot of times and surprising for me is 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 when the work is when justice work comes without success or it comes without mm. visible success or it doesn't feel yeah, for sure you know but it's still possible to have to cultivate joy mm-hmm. it's still possible to ha- cultivate joy with other people mm-hmm. that you're working with it's still possible to cultivate joy in the small successes that you're able to achieve you know and it's, it's somehow deeper and more meaningful than just the happiness that comes from you know a victory or just mm-hmm. winning um i'm reminded of frederick Buechner is a, is one of my favorite writers and he died the other week and he writes about joy a lot and the thing he keeps coming back to is this idea of joy as being surprising um mm-hmm. what he says is that you know happiness turns up pretty much where you'd expect it to be but joy <laughs> you know but joy is notoriously unpredictable um and in that way joy is kind of you know joy is grace you know it just appears mm. um it just appears unexpectedly maybe undeservedly um and yeah, I, th- I, I, re- I, I really connect to the way that he writes about joy in that way. I think that maybe that connects it, that leads us into uh, our third act, the, th- the theology of joy, which Beth <laughs> insisted on writing out as the theology of joy, which does have a ring to it, I, I got to agree. Why would you make it hot like that, Andrew? <laughs> <laughs> you know, earlier, Chris, you had asked me, like, if there's a particular joy verse that, uh, I, that I connect to. And yeah. I, I see that you wrote the one the one about the ostrich here, uh, which wasn't the one that I was going with. The wings of the ostrich flap joyfully, though they cannot compare with the wings and feathers of the stork, which is from Job, I guess. <laughs> but you uh, quoted it Job. as God in our notes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You well, no, no, because a, a dash God. Here. <laughs> because because in this in, in this moment in in, in job it's god right. speaking okay and this is what okay. yeah right because i just like, imagine the voicemail from my dad where my dad is like hi bethany this is your dad yes dad i know your voice that's how i'm like <laughs> the god. i hear right. that yeah uh, it's the way the bible like, sign their text messages <laughs> <laughs> um, that's kind of how chris wrote wrote out this bible verse <laughs> i wrote it as a quote right so that was not the verse that i was going for um um but i just think you should read it one more time the wings of the ostrich flap joyfully though they cannot compare with the wings and feathers of the stork yeah are we can we i mean i can draw meaning out of that but do i want to (laughs) yeah no i just I, I I mostly picked it because it just really stood out against all the other verses of joy. Like it's like that's hilarious. It's really it weird. Is, it, it is. <laughs> it is like it is it is kind of it is weird. It's kind of delightful in that way. The verse that I the the, the section that I was really connecting to was uh was it was when Jesus is addressing his disciples at the Last Supper in 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 uh in John fifteen, um. And he says, um, and he says, as the Father has loved me, so I've loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my compan- uh, my commandments, you'll abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you, 
and your joy may be complete. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And that's actually a verse that my my mom will just kind of randomly throw at me once in a while. I'm, so it kind of reminds me of my mom mm. a little bit. Um, but it strikes me that like Jesus is talking about his commandments, you know, his, 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 his telling his disciples to love one another. And he, he's telling them all this on the eve of his death. And he's telling them like, keep, I'm telling you this so that my joy can be in you and that your joy can be complete. Like he's talking about joy and he's about to be horribly executed. Yeah. Um, so both like Jesus reminding his disciples that the joy, that God's joy is complete when they love one another. Um, it resonates me in, in the, what we're talking about in terms of joy and it's, con- and it's connection to community. Um, but also joy and how we can hold on to it and cultivate it even when you know when things aren't looking good when mm-hmm. when Jesus is about to be executed by the state he's talking about joy yeah i right. feel like that's referring to joy as like an act of like hope and faith as well right like mm-hmm when you love somebody and you complete your joy, when you dare in that way to do that, you're taking an act of, yeah, you're taking a step towards faith as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That reminds me of a scripture that I think of oftentimes when it comes to joy. Um, Romans 15, 13. Oh may, the, oh, may the God of green hope fill you up with joy, fill you up with peace so that your believing lives filled with the life-giving energy of the Holy Spirit will brim over with hope. I like Hmm. the idea of just like, yeah, this God that loves us so much, we're filled up with hope and joy and peace from that love. Yeah, yeah. Like that's our birthright. The God of green hope. That is just like that is also just a marvelous sentence. How beautiful is that? It really is. <laughs> I think of like a fertile green pasture yes. filled with so much opportunity for plants and everything <laughs> else. That's how much hope God has for us. Yeah. Fertile. That's great. So Bethany, yeah. when you're talking about cultivating joy in the midst of justice work, um, what do you um can you give me what are you thinking about what examples are you thinking about i'm thinking of turn up to bailout we haven't done it since 2020 but we talked about it a lot in its first iteration Mm. about how that was an act of radical joy right we're talking about the criminal justice system which is the new system of slavery in america and yet we are experiencing joy cultivating joy participating in joy in order to raise money for freedom. Like that was Mm -hmm. an important connection to me, not just doing a regular fundraiser or asking people to buy like an item. No, I want you to experience the radicality of joy and that joy provides freedom for others. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's what I think of with like justice needs to be connected to joy. It can be that direct of a connection or if you're like, with participatory defense, the way that you're planning a picnic, that's important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So making joy adjust or making joy a discipline that has to be a part of justice work. Yeah. 
Yeah, because otherwise you forget. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I like, I like, I like one of the things I, I like centering my my focus on this um, on this celebration right now is, I I feel like something about that reorders me, and 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 helps me remember that like the the fight is to arrive at a, at a place that is made for us. And that place, like you said, is like a green Valley of hope and joy. Like let's move toward that and, and like find ways to mark that journey. Right. Cause otherwise the, the, the fight seems so uphill and seems so, um, awful, I guess, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. Um, yeah, those moments are necessary for survival. Yeah. Absolutely. But not the least of yeah, those moments are necessary for survival and also they re- they remind us of this connection to to something that's bigger than us, especially when mm-hmm. the world feels you know like it's insurmountable. So, yeah, things like things like turn up, things like, you know, our our holidays, things like pride parades, you know, these m- moments where we can we can celebrate our connectivity where we can actually experience joy with each other. Yeah. That's theological, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I yeah. feel like that was good. I think that um, was some doggone good theology there. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And if you like it or you don't, you can tell us. Right. Um, we'll so the last thing that we uh, like to do here is talk about whatever we're into this week. Beth, do you want to kick us off? I will. I'm back into my mailman, y'all. I have had a crush on my mailman for like three years since I moved here. And the pandemic started and I saw him. I wasn't home during the day, but then when I got sent home from the pandemic, I was like, who is this? And he stopped (laughs) flirting with me recently. I was so upset. I couldn't figure out what was going on. I saw him today. I was in the corner store by my house and I said, hey, how you? How you been? I ain't seen you in a minute. You looking tan? He was like, oh yeah, I've been on vacation and stuff, but I'm doing good. I see you're doing good. You've had flowers on your steps for the past couple of weeks. Oh. I was like, oh, he's noticed. I started scrambling. I said, those flowers are from me to me. I have a flower delivery. (laughs) 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 But I figured out who hasn't been flirting with me because he's been thinking a man's been dropping off flowers at my house. Wow. What was his reaction? He said, oh, okay. And then when I came out, he started talking to me again too. So I was Uh like, all right, we're back on. So that's what I'm into this week. You know, I'm going on a date tonight. I'm into my mailman again. Wow. Yes. Amazing. Now that Thank he goodness. knows it's a flower delivery. And I get my flowers from um, Pombello in Germantown. She has a subscription. Okay. You guys can go on shop at shop.pomelo on Instagram if you want to get her flower subscription as well. And if you think your mailman is cute, make sure he knows that those flowers aren't from a man. <laughs> that right. <is> amazing. <laughs> From me to me. Make sure that that card is facing out toward the street. That was the first sentence out of his mouth. I I see you've been doing well. You still have those flowers on your steps. I was like, oh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh. 
He felt some kind of way. Some kind of way. <laughs> That's amazing. That is amazing. <laughs> what are you into, Chris? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I've I've mentioned the the Black and Appalachia podcast before. I'm gonna I'm gonna suggest people listen to Bird Watching While Black, which is one of the newest episodes. That's the episode that the that the quote came out of. I don't know. It was just like. We, we didn't we didn't get to it much but like I've really been enjoying birds recently um like I I've been spending a lot of time in a place in Maryland where I can like I, I, I like I'm particularly attuned and I, I think that's another thing that I'm, I'm enjoying is like I'm enjoying enjoying my my own enjoyment of birds like and all the different like sizes and shapes and I'm like I'm, I'm able to like recognize them um, and this, this podcast talks a little bit about that and this, like this particular experience with being a, a blackbird watcher, black or ornithologist. So all good. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I am into, what am I into? I'm into Swedish candy. Um, oh, like from Sweden. Yeah. I, I don't know what it is about the Swedes. Uh, but I, I mean, part of, for part of my trip, I was in Stockholm. So, um, every grocery store has this like giant wall of candy where that you just sounds like, amazing. Yeah. This giant wall of candy. It's like gummies and marshmallows and licorice. And it's like, you just scoop it into a bag, just like kind of like, like bye-bye weight sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But it's like so cheap and so abundant and all of it is so good. Like I want to move to Stockholm just so I can eat candy. <laughs> It's unbelievable. Like, imagine, like, a Swedish fish, but, like, just, like, an, of infinite variety and texture. Did Amy like, bring me back some? Well, I think we still have some left for you, but to be honest, I have been kind of sneaking. <laughs> Are you kidding so we me? We have to hang room? out. We have Andrew. to hang out before I eat all of it. I apologize. <laughs> Swedish fish are my favorite. I gotta get to y'all's house. Yeah. yeah. Um... Yeah, Swedish candy. It's just, it's 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 another world. It fills me with mm. joy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know now. I want some too. So, we all want your joy. <laughs> um, so uh, with that, um, special thanks to Jared Selby, who is our theme song. Tess Patino is our social media goddess, and Joe Mahoney is our audio engineer. Amy Young does our website. And please be sure to let us know about your Jesus following um, and write to us at colorcorrectionpodcast.com. Let us know how you're following Jesus as well as being anti-racist and trying to figure this road out. So with Mm -hmm. that, stay black, Little Mermaid.